I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, John Macri, a fantasy analyst here at PFF. And joining me, as always, PFF's lead fantasy analyst, the great Nathan Yonke. Nate, how are we doing today? Uh, doing pretty well. Happy that we have the Hall of Fame game this weekend. Our players getting into the Hall of Fame. But a little bit sad about all the injury news that we've been having these last couple of days, including this morning. I know. Yeah, it's 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 brutal this time of year, right? Because it's it's the time of year where players get injured, but we don't even actually get to see them in game action. So um, we don't know what the season could have been for them. And yeah, there's a few that that came out we'll talk about. But it is exciting to have football back this week. I, I know it's the Hall of Fame game, but but still it, it's football, right? We'll get Jets Browns. Um, apparently, Zach Wilson might play. I, I don't know who else will be out there, um, but probably not a game. We'll get much information out of either way. Uh, just still fun to have football um, back and, and the Hall of Fame game just means that real football continues to get even closer. Um, obviously, we, we've got endless amounts of drafts going leading up to the regular season, which means we'll have plenty, plenty of fantasy content on PFF.com and right here in the podcast feed in the next weeks ahead um, to get the good folks ready to dominate their leagues. And we're keeping that rolling today as we discuss potential league winners by round. Um, we'll also cover a couple key key pieces of news and their fantasy impacts this episode as well. So should be a fun one. Um, But of course, before we do that, we do want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. As a parent, your children's well-being is your top priority. You want to see them chase their dreams, embrace life's adventures, and thrive in this world. But you also know life can be unpredictable, and that's why it's important to plan for the unexpected so they can continue to thrive no matter what. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help get you a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust fab, trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes and at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. 
All right, let's get into the news here. Um, probably the biggest piece of news. It's still ongoing. We don't know how it's going to play out exactly, but Jonathan Taylor uh, in the news this week. This one escalated pretty quickly. Uh, Colts running back Jonathan Taylor, uh, like every running back on an expiring rookie deal, is hoping to get a contract extension. Being a second-round pick in 2020, there's no fifth-year option available, so this will be the final year of his rookie contract. Um, he's scheduled to get paid $4.3 million in 2023 with $0 in guarantees. Um, this is coming off a year where he missed six games and posted a career-low rushing grade of 71.5 after that incredible 2021 season where he earned a 90.0 rushing grade and finished as the fantasy RB1. Um, apparently Taylor's looking for 16 million per year, which only Christian McCaffrey is getting right now among running backs. So things aren't looking, you know, great for his chances of making that deal. Um, Colts owner, Jim Ursay obviously hasn't helped matters as far as Taylor's lack of desire uh, to play for the team and seemed to really escalate after they met. So Taylor has since requested a trade. Ursay has said that there will at least be no extension for Taylor. I highly doubt that they'll be able to trade him either. This will almost certainly be his last year with the team and adding to all of that. Now he could be potentially be placed on the non-football injury list with an apparent back injury that popped up during his team physical, but that Taylor has since denied. Um, it's also worth noting Zach Moss broke his arm in practice today. So we could probably rule him out for uh, this year. Deion Jackson was considered a potential cut candidate for most of this off season, but maybe not so much now, Nate, this is one hell of a messy situation. Uh, it only complicates things for for Taylor's fantasy value heading into this season. Has this affected your rankings of him at all for 2023? I did move him down the rankings. I moved him down to six, moved Tony Pollard up to five. A little bit also has to just do with Pollard and the Cowboys not bringing in any running backs at this point. So getting more and more confident by the day that Pollard should be able to get those goal line touches. But definitely move Taylor down just because the situation is odd. And I did my player profile on him this weekend that went out this morning. Um, some of it's also concern about uh, he might not get as much work on third downs as he's seen in the past, just with the new coaching staff coming from Philadelphia, where they did have a first and second down back compared to a third down back. And Taylor hasn't really been much of a receiver throughout his career. I'm not too concerned about his rushing. I know you mentioned his low grade last season. I think a lot of that had to do with injury. So I think he should be able to bounce back from that. Um, the offensive line is all back together from what they had the 10 last season, all players that Indianapolis drafted. So I think if he does stay in Indianapolis and starts week one, he should probably be a pretty efficient runner, probably should be one of the best rushers in the league. Just don't see that higher upside without the receiving, as well as the possibility he might not score as many touchdowns with uh, Anthony Richardson potentially stealing a lot of those carries from the one-yard line that Taylor would originally get. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Moss does come back at some point just with the arm injury. Uh, he should be able to come back at some point this season, but it does add some uncertainty in the short term and they could decide to bring in another running back because of this uh Deion jackson did show that he was capable of being an every down player he did it uh, middle of last season when taylor was injured and had some big games there one week where he was the overall running back one and i think jackson could be the guy to take third downs evan hulls also their fifth round pick um who's more of a receiving back so he's also capable of taking third down so i think taylor 
is someone that I'd still be comfortable drafting. I do think just because of his talent as a rusher, whether he's playing in Indianapolis, he should do fine as a rusher there. If any team is willing to trade for him, they're also willing to sign him to a long-term contract because that's the only reason you would really trade for him. So any team trading for him is probably willing to invest a lot in him and that he should still do well there, even though there could be some serious competition if a team like Dallas comes in. I was just talking about Tony Pollard, but they could want a one-two punch at running back. Um, the Chargers are another interesting team since Austin Eckler is more of a receiver, even though he is also a very good runner. But like any team looking to win a championship this year that has a decent running back, it could be a messy situation. But it's just a situation to monitor. And by the time we do our next episode of the podcast, everything could probably change again. Yeah, yeah, good point. And yeah, you definitely mentioned a couple teams that are like nightmare scenarios for fantasy managers of, of Austin Eckler and, and Tony Pollard. So, um, but yeah, you're right. We'll see what happens there. I've definitely moved Taylor down as well. Him and him and Josh Jacobs both have kind of been dropping for me a little bit just with the holdout concerns and given like the current climate of the uh, and frustration among like the league's running backs. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see one or both of these guys kind of sit out to try and make a statement to the league. But whether that ends up being a good or bad decision on their part, we'll see. But we have a recent history of that not really working out for running backs in the past with guys like Le'Veon Bell and Melvin Gordon, obviously. But like you said, it could open up opportunities for their backups to get playing time, whether it's Deion Jackson or Evan Hall in Indianapolis, Samir White in Las Vegas. Um, you know, Hall specifically, like you said, is more of a receiving back. He, he, he didn't rank highly on the PFF big board coming into this year's draft, but he was one of the better receiving backs in this class over the last two years. He earned a 77.9 receiving grade since 2021, which ranks sixth uh, among this year's running back class. He also posted a 1.62 yards per route run in that span, uh, which ranked third in the class behind Kenny McIntosh and Jameer Gibbs. So just something uh, of interest there. You know, like you said, if Taylor doesn't get that receiving work, um, even if he does come back, there might be a role there for, for Evan Hull as well. Just a, just a little side note on a player that people might be interested in at this point in the offseason. Um, but speaking of a uh, previously mentioned Kenny McIntosh as well, we'll move on to another big piece of news um, coming out of this weekend involving the Seattle running backs. Um, both Kenneth Walker uh, is currently being considered week to week with a groin injury, which would immediately normally set off fireworks in the heads of Zach Charbonnet managers, but Charbonnet also dealing with an injury as he is experiencing some discomfort in his shoulder, which apparently is going to put him out indefinitely. So, uh, who is left to get running back snaps in Seattle? Well, the name I mentioned a couple minutes ago, um, Kenny McIntosh, who was he was one of my favorite like pre-draft sleepers because of his high end receiving profile. Obviously didn't love the landing spot with Walker and Charbonnet ahead of him on the depth chart, but with question marks about both of their availabilities now, could we see McIntosh play meaningful fantasy snaps as a rookie? What are, what are your thoughts on this one, uh, Nate? I think he definitely could. I this is making me miss the regular season where we get very official information about injuries. And if a guy's going to miss three weeks, he ends up on injured reserve or we find out this kind of stuff. But in terms of indefinitely and out for a while, I was like, do I move Ken Walker up my rankings? Do I move him down my rankings? Do I leave him where he is? I hopefully we'll get a little bit more information sooner rather than later. But I do think there's definitely a possibility that. Um... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Macintosh sees some playing time this season. Uh, Pete Carroll at one point was asked about his one-two punch at running back, and he brought up that he has a one-two-three punch at running back. So I think that's how highly the Seahawks view him. So I could definitely see him getting some playing time. Um, so probably worth a late round sleeper at this point, um, barring us getting more information. But I also think DJ Dallas, who's still on the team, will get playing time on third downs a decent amount. Um, that's how they've used them in the past. That's how they've used their running backs in the past is having a very clear third down running back in Dallas seems to be that player. So mm-hmm. I could see him getting playing time as well. But I think at this point, it's just a situation to monitor. I probably have a little trouble drafting either of the two Seahawks top running backs until we get a little bit more information about how long they're out for. But it seems like it's also a situation where they're just trying to be cautious, gathering more information. So we can't make too big of decisions until we also have more information. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And and just in, in regards to Macintosh too, like part of the reason that I liked him, you know, coming into the draft, um, what obviously was that receiving work. And, you know, if he does get that role, maybe that third down role, obviously DJ Dallas is, is competition for him as well. But um just for Macintosh's purposes, he was top three in this class last year uh, in receiving grade, receiving yards, receiving yards per reception, yards after the catch, yards after the catch per reception, and yards per route run. So he he was very good. You know, as a runner, he wasn't as good, but it's not like he was terrible either. He posted a top five mark among this year's running back class in in 2022 and missed tackles force per attempt. Um, and then he ran for 824 yards and ton, 10 touchdowns last year for Georgia. So um, who, who knows if both Walker and Charbonnet do actually end up missing time. Um, we, we don't know yet, but McIntosh becomes interesting. DJ Dallas really becomes interesting as these kind of waiver wire options to start the year. So um, because it is, I think it's hard to imagine Seattle probably adding anyone else given the, their current investment at the position already. Um, and these likely not being season ending injuries too, right? Oh uh, yeah. Like we have the word indefinitely. So we don't know if it's going to be season ending or not. So I could see them bringing in, uh, some veteran that isn't a long-term mm-hmm. option if that does happen. I would say if you're doing best ball da- drafts, definitely try to get him now because by the time the preseason hits, uh, he's going to see a ton of playing time because I doubt either of these other running backs are going to play in the preseason at all. So McIntosh could see a ton of opportunities in the preseason to gain some buzz there. So true. if you want him in best ball, get him now while you still can before his price gets even higher. Oh. All right, let's move on to another piece of news here, important news as it happened um, like an hour after we finished recording last episode. I, I don't even think it was it was that, um, but but Joe Burrow suffered an apparent calf strain that is expected to sign, sideline him several weeks. Um, there currently doesn't seem to be a concern that he'll miss week one, but we'll see if that status improves or declines as we actually get closer to the regular season. Um, Nate, any real concerns about Bang, uh, Burrow and the Bengals' offensive weapons um, heading into this year now with this injury popping up, or, or do you feel still still feel pretty good about him as a potential top five uh, quarterback? 
Yeah, still feeling fine knowing that he should be ready by the start of the season, um, knowing that rushing isn't a huge part of his fantasy production. Yeah, he does it some, but even if it takes him a couple of weeks to get ready, you're not really drafting him for what he's going to do week one and two. You're drafting him for what he's going to do throughout the season. So with that, I'm feeling pretty fine. And this also being a situation where like the entire coaching staff is still there. All of his offensive weapons are still there. Yeah, there were some changes on the offensive line, but in terms of how much can change for a player from one season to another, the fact that so little change for this Bengals offense makes it easier for him to miss all of training camp and still be fine once the regular season hits where a quarterback on a new team who misses all of training camp, it might be a bit more of a transition period. So I think that's pretty good news and why I haven't really moved any of the Bengals down my rankings because of this. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair until we learn until we learn more about if he's going to miss time. And um, it should be noted the Bengals backup quarterback is Trevor Simeon, uh, who we did see last year for the bears in week 12. Um, He posted a 32.7 passing grade and finished as QB 28 in fantasy that week. Um, The Bengals also signed former XFLer Reed Sinnott, um, who it looks like played one game for the San Antonio Brahmas. He earned a uh, 69.1 passing grade where he threw for 97 yards, one touchdown and one INT. So yeah, let, let's hope Joe Burrow is back for uh, week one. Uh, One more quick note, as this one just came in right before we started recording, but Broncos wide receiver Tim Patrick went down in practice with a non-contact injury, was carted off the field. Um, Patrick missed all of last season after tearing his ACL, and Sean Payton did come out and seemed to confirm that it was an Achilles injury for Patrick, so that's likely to do it for him um, again this year, Nate. I know you're a Tim Patrick fan. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on on how this impacts the the Denver offense? Yeah, first off, feel bad for Patrick after missing all of last season with the injury, now missing all of this season and where he's at at his point of his career where he was an ascending player getting better each and every season after uh, where he started. So the fact that he's missing the prime of his career, pretty disappointing for him. But for the Broncos offense as a whole, I was excited about what Patrick could do in this offense. I felt he was the kind of wide receiver that fit what Sean Payton looks for in a wide receiver. But I do think Denver still has plenty of depth that they should be fine. Still have basically all of the players that were healthy last year. Uh, KJ Hamler should be fine this year. They drafted Marvin Mims, uh, got Sean Payton favorite Marquez Callaway. So I think in terms of wide receiver depth, they aren't probably don't need to make any moves they'll probably be happy with the players that they have and now you can probably draft some of these other Broncos wide receivers with a little more confidence that they should see more playing time with one less quality player to compete with yeah that's fair and yeah like you said it's definitely a bummer for Tim Patrick it could have potentially been like a nice bounce back season for him after missing last year but uh, unfortunately that will be put on hold for now but um, all right before we we go any further I do want to shout out one more of our sponsors uh, and that is DraftKings want to get in on the fantasy action but sick of managing your roster sick of player injuries ending your season with best ball on DraftKings you get the best of your team all season long This year, best ball on DraftKings is bigger than ever with $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes up for grabs. For a limited time, you can join DraftKings' largest best ball contest ever and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars as soon as the draft is finished. Act now before this offer expires. To start playing best ball, download the DraftKings app using code PFF 
Enter DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest and snake draft your team for the season. Each week, you'll automatically rack up points from all your top scorers. No ads, drops, trades, or I should have played him instead. Teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the $1 million top prize. So what are you waiting for? Head to the DraftKings app and sign up with code PFF and start playing best ball today. Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament and you'll get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars. Only on DraftKings with code PFF. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer. Opt-in required with $10 entry fee. Bonus issued as 10 DraftKings dollars. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. All right, let's get into our potential league winners now. We'll we'll save some of the rounds from from this pod since all of Nate's choices are up on pff.com right now and and I have mine coming later this week. So, it gives people a reason to go check out some of the other names that we don't cover here today. Um you could go to the website and check those out, but Nate Let's start things off, not in round one or round two, but round three, where you have a strong option for league winning potential out of New England. Tell us about running back Ramon J. Stevenson's 2023 fantasy outlook. Sure. So Stevenson, I think, is going to be capable of having a huge season for New England, even if they add another running back. Um, Last season, he started as the backup to Damian Harris, but once Harris went down around week four or so, Stevenson was RB6 from week five to the rest to the end of the season and that's both how well he was playing as a rusher as well as a receiver uh, he was one of the top running backs and targets over the course of the rest of the season and there was this big concern over the offseason of Ty Montgomery was the third down back in week one over these past few seasons the Patriots have had a clear third down back especially with James White being there for a number of years but Stevenson has been the rare player that can have the entire role and Montgomery has been playing more at wide receiver now listed as a wide receiver on the website. So less concerned about him losing those third down snaps now compared to before. I know uh, they've had Ezekiel Elliott in. I know they've talked with Leonard Fournette, basically a number of running backs who could come in and be the backup at some point. But I don't think Stevenson's going to be the player to play 80, 90% of offensive snaps. I do think they will give him a couple of drives off throughout the game. And I think that will happen regardless of who's the backup there. So even if it's one of the younger backs versus a veteran back, I think he should still see around 70% of snaps. And most importantly, continue to see those targets on third downs and two-minute drills and those kind of situations. So I think that should be able to keep Stevenson's uh great play intact and that the Patriots offensive line is playing as well as they can play. I think that can push Stevenson's efficiency to another level. So when I've been writing my league winning pieces, I've been doing it by position these last week and this week, I've been focusing on players that I think have the capability of being the top player at their position this year. So Stevenson, I think is one of those players that has that potential. If he takes his step up in his play, uh, he has a situation to be in to get to that RB1 status. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you just the, the usage, the effectiveness of Stevenson, it, it's hard to hard to argue that that potential for him. I, I know he's RB10 for me right now, but honestly, with like uncertainty around Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, the guys who are going ahead of him, even Brees Hall is a close at running back 11 in most formats. I, I don't. I don't like that one as much anymore with the Jets bringing in Cook. Um, we talked about that last episode, but I could see myself moving Stevenson up a bit and, and drafting him 
a little bit more often now in this range. I, I know that, like you said, Patriots brought in a couple guys, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette for visits, but they both left without contracts. I, I just don't think there's any real reason to fade Stevenson at this point, considering his potential as a runner and in the receiving game, like you said. Um, if anything, I'm I'm looking forward to moving him up the ranks over some of these other kind of maybe red flag names as we get closer to the season. And I, I, I don't think I'd even mind taking a swing on him even earlier at this point. So I'm with you on Stevenson for sure yeah and i'd say a lot of the running backs ahead of him there's a number of older running backs who we don't know when running backs will take a step back sometimes it's later sometimes it's earlier but a lot of the players ahead of him ahead of him are either older than him or they are younger and facing those holdout or trade request situations where we don't know what will happen that way so i think stevenson um hasn't publicly had anything bad to say about his contract at this point so i think um, having that combination of youth and ability um, puts him in that category of could be there where we could see some of the players ahead of him take a step backwards. Yeah, love it. Um, all right, let's go on to round four and talk about a tight end that could be a league winner here out of San Francisco. Nate, what has got you excited about George Kittle's outlook for 2023? Sure. First off, Kittle has been excellent every season that he's played basically has been a top four among tight ends and uh, fantasy points per game over the past five seasons. So every season except his rookie season, and he's done that with a variety of quarterbacks. Um, the big thing has been one, his ability to stay healthy, which he was able to for the most part last year, as well as his ability to score touchdowns. And I think with Brock Purdy at quarterback, plays a huge difference for him. Um, he was playing very well with Purdy to end last season, averaging a touchdown a game with him, at least in games where he was playing at least 80% of snaps, where he's averaged um, 0.3 touchdowns per game in all other games with different quarterbacks. So he was scoring a lot more touchdowns with Purdy at quarterback. Um, the other big thing is his ability to catch deep passes. He has consistently graded out well as a deep, receiver but he just hasn't had the quarterbacks to get him the ball in those situations um purdy or with purdy throwing him the ball he caught five of 70 passes for 172 yards and two touchdowns uh that was from week 13 on including the playoffs uh he only caught two deep passes for the first 12 weeks of the season with other quarterbacks and similarly um didn't have that much deep receiving stats the year before so this unlocks a whole new level to his game he scored the most fantasy points among tight ends from week 13 to week 18 so um obviously travis kelsey still the tight end one we expect him to be there for another year but i think kittle is one of the very few tight ends that at least has the possibility of surpassing travis kelsey if kelsey has a down year Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I have him as tight end three. Uh, he's, so he's just slightly ahead of TJ Hawkinson for me. And and the reason I like him even more is, it, like you said, it's it's the positive Brock Purdy news coming in. It sounds like Purdy will be ready for week one, which was obviously huge for Kittle's kind of resurgence late last year. And that'll hopefully continue here in 2023 with a full season of the two of them. Um, and, and just building on some of the numbers you said um, with Purdy at quarterback when he took over last year in week 11, 
seven and, and even into the playoffs. Um, Kittle dominated the end zone targets on, on the team as well as far as target rate goes with 46.2% um, target rate with the next closest being Brandon Ayuk at 25%. So um, a big difference there. We also saw Kittle with four top three PPR finishes among tight ends from week 11 to 18 when Purdy took over as the starter. So it was very clearly a favorite target of his. And I'm, I'm definitely with you in that connection um, could produce that league winning upside for those that are able to, to grab him in, in round four. Yeah. And I'd say with my league winning upside, like one of the things that I like to look at at the end of the year is the percentage of times a player is on a championship team in fantasy football. And you'll see a number of players who it was like, they were a waiver wire target over the last two weeks of the season. So it was only the playoff teams trying to get him, <laughs> but you'll always see like some people that were first round picks that are on those teams, a couple of players that are in the early rounds and then plenty of the players in the later rounds that hopefully we'll be talking about some of those right after this. But for me, when I was writing my league winning pieces, I was really trying to hammer into those second, third or fourth or even a little bit late first round players that I think would be high on those lists at the end of the year. So those are the players that I was trying to target when writing my articles on quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers and tight ends. Nice. Yeah, that's a great call. That's a good. That's a, that's exactly what what I was thinking as far as what these what that could mean for um, league winning potential, and and I think that makes perfect sense here. Um, so we'll skip around. We'll skip round five, and we will go to round six, um, where I have a quarterback. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is my pick for the round six potential league winner. He's going as. QB eight, pretty much across the board. Um, I have him as QB seven right now. And in that same tier as guys like Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Um, but I do think he has a potentially better rushing upside given kind of what we've seen from him already in the NFL. And even coming out of college as well, we saw him run for over 1200 yards over three seasons during his time at Clemson. Uh, he's run for 625 yards over two regular seasons so far in the NHL or NFL. Sorry. I'm thinking about hockey for some reason, um, <laughs> which ranks, uh, eighth among all quarterbacks in that span. So that's great. He's also added seven rushing touchdowns since entering the league, which is tied for seventh most among quarterbacks. So he's definitely a threat to scramble, earn more yards on the ground, which we obviously love for fantasy purposes. But I think the main thing for me with Lawrence is we could really see him take another big step this year as a passer. Um, as we know, his rookie year did not go as planned under Urban Meyer, but in 2022, we saw a nearly 20 point increase in PFF passing grade uh, going from a 58.3 as a rookie to 74.1 and was slightly better or significantly better across the board in terms of passing um, yards, yards per attempt, big time throw rate, turnover worthy play rate, adjusted completion percentage, passer rating, time to throw all improved and most of them improved dramatically, right? So even with all that improvement, there, there's I think there's still room for him to take his game to another level after he finished as the 14th overall quarterback in passing grade. And in a lot of those passing metrics that I just mentioned was still outside of the top 10 in the NFL. So he did finish as the fantasy QB six last year, thanks to five top five finishes in year one under Doug Peterson uh, and with an offense that is still very much on the rise. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he continues to get better this season. And we see even more of those weekly top five finishes at the position to kind of greatly outperform his current sixth round ADP. The team also added Calvin Ridley to the offense. They keep key pieces from last year and Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, even Zay Jones, all necessary for like Lawrence's chemistry with receivers um, to approve upon those 2022 numbers. 
I think maybe one of the barriers that could be could be the Jags offensive line. But even with that in mind, Lawrence was exceptionally good at not letting that stop him last year. He was one he had, like I said, one of the fastest times to throw in the league last year at 2.5 seconds, um, while also doing a decent job of avoiding sacks with just a 14.8 percent pressure to sack conversion rate in 2022, which ranked eighth best among quarterbacks um, with at least 50 percent of their team's dropbacks. So if Lawrence really is the prince that was promised, which he is shaping up to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Um, with another year under Doug Peterson as well, I think 2023 is the year that Lawrence takes his game to another level in the NFL and fulfills his prophecy as the generational quarterback um, that we all expected him to be. Yeah, I think he's going to be capable of having a great season. I think he's a very clear and obvious quarterback who was good last year that has a chance to be great this season. Um, Second highest graded quarterback under the age of 25 last year, just behind Jalen Hurts. So definitely has the potential to get there. The one thing that I find very interesting is how much Calvin Ridley can help his game. Uh, Looking at his numbers from his rookie season to his sophomore season, he improved significantly in his accuracy on short passes and on intermediate passes, but was less accurate on deep passes in his sophomore season. Uh, Marvin Jones was the deep threat or closest thing that they had last season. He caught three of 22 deep targets last year. Um, Some of the other wide receivers were a little better in terms of how often they were able to catch the ball on deep passes, but Lawrence's accuracy was the second worst among quarterbacks last year on passes 21 yards in the air or more just ahead of Zach Wilson. So uh, Calvin Ridley has been one of the better deep threats when he's uh, been playing. So I think having Ridley on the team, I was just writing up my uh, Ridley uh, player profile earlier today. And I think the big thing for Ridley is F Lawrence is able to improve significantly on his deep ball accuracy. And I think some of that, a lot of that has to do with the quarterback. Some of that also has to do with the receiver. We've seen, plenty of other quarterbacks who once they get an excellent receiver all of a sudden start playing better. We saw in Miami with Tyree kill, what he was able to do with Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, Jalen Hurts improved significantly with AJ Brown at wide receiver. So I think this could be a similar thing where having a wide receiver as good as Calvin Ridley, who should be the best one on the team by a decent amount, that could be what helps Trevor Lawrence take this big step this year. Thanks. Yeah, I like it. That's a great call. Um, And so before we keep going here, we got one more ad read for today, and that is from our friends at Manscaped. If you haven't heard already, it's Smooth Sack Summer. 
When you're playing in the summer sun, make sure you're scaped from pubes to bum. That's right. This is the summer to keep your balls cool while still looking hot with Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming are making sure we all have a ball this summer by giving our pants partners everything we need uh, to stay fresh. Dive headfirst into Smooth Sack Summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with our code PFF. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare that summer bot. They have built the ultimate grooming bundle for your summer grooming. Their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on off switch, can engage a travel lock, and gives you the ability to return the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Beach, lake, or shower, this razor will devour even the strongest pubes. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. It's Smooth Sack Summer, boys. Get on board or get left behind. All right, let's go to round seven. Uh, I have a pick here and I went with uh, Darren Waller of the New York Giants tight end. Um, Early word out of Giants camp is that Waller has emerged as Daniel Jones' favorite target by far, which I don't think should come as much of a surprise, you know, kind of given the depth chart and and Jones' tendencies as an NFL quarterback. You know, the three most commonly thrown routes in the NFL the past two seasons have been you know hitch route out route crossing route these are all Daniel Jones most commonly thrown passes as well and um three of four of Waller's most uh commonly targeted routes over the last two years as well so with Waller coming in he could also give Jones more reason to throw um potentially get more of a go ball as a top deep threat in this offense it just wasn't something that we saw Jones do a lot over these last couple seasons but Since 2021, Waller has earned the second highest receiving grade, 92.6, on throws 20-plus yards downfield, which was just behind George Kittle. You mentioned that earlier, Um, but doing so on on much more targets as well. He had had 30 targets of of that 20-plus range, um, which was second most among tight ends in that span. So not that I think Jones is all of a sudden going to start airing the ball out at an above average rate, but at least Waller gives him that kind of reliable option to do so and opens up some opportunities there. But for the most part, I think given Jones's comfort in the short and intermediate areas of the field, one, he had one of the lowest a dots in the league last year in 2022, that is um, at 6.5. So it still makes sense that Waller is and and will be one of his go-to targets all year long as he can also do significant damage in those areas of the field. Um, The main thing is going to be health for Waller. As long as he's healthy, uh, he should have no problem, I think, leading this team in targets on the year and and on a weekly basis as well. He's earned red zone and end zone targets as well uh, in the past as uh, with a 30% target rate in the end zone since 2021, but only came up with two touchdowns on those targets. So there's an opportunity for some positive regression there in, in that area uh, and with a new quarterback and offense in 2023. So, um, you know, this is a guy, he was the PPR tight end two in both 2019 and 2020, and his points per game have still been among the top tight ends in the league in recent years as well. He just has to stay healthy because he isn't necessarily, you know, the spring chicken that he once was. So uh, what do you think, Nate? Do you, do you like Darren Waller for 2023? I 
do. I think he's one of the top seven tight ends. I think everyone pretty much has a clear unanimous who's in those top seven. And I think tight end is a bit simpler of a position compared to some of the others in that you, whoever's the good players are the ones that you want to draft uh, the top eight tight ends on terms of PFF grade over these past three seasons. Seven of them are the top seven fantasy tight ends. And the eighth one is Rob Gronkowski, who's not playing anymore. So um, from that perspective, Waller is one of the few tight ends who has a PFF grade above 90 um, during a season. I know injuries have been the concern these past couple of seasons, but like you said, he was able to reach top two fantasy tight end and was doing that with Derek Carr at quarterback. So as much as Daniel Jones maybe isn't a top five or top 10 passer in the league, I think he's a good enough quarterback to get the ball to Waller over and over. So I think just in terms of simple volume and uh, Jones has a past of throwing to tight ends as well with Evan Ingram on the team uh, two seasons ago. So I think it's just a combination of he's going to see a ton of targets and he has that talent. So I think that definitely puts him in the top seven. And I think, if you haven't got a tight end by round seven and someone like Waller is available, definitely jump on getting him. So you're not stuck with anyone who's significantly worse than Waller is. Yeah, for sure. I, I just think it's a great bounce back spot for him in, in New York because we did see, we still saw signs that he could post like big numbers last year, even in an injury riddled season, he posted like the best explosive play rate uh, at 42.9% among tight ends with at least 25 targets. So that potential is definitely there. And again, it's, it's just health, right? If he's healthy, he has a real chance, I think to lead the team in targets um, and with hopefully some positive touchdown regression in Brian Dable's offense. So um, he becomes one of the best options in round seven of drafts uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd add last year uh, with uh, the Raiders, um, it wasn't just the injury, but they also started to reduce his playing time, not playing him as much on early down the favor of Foster Moreau. So I think part of it was just um, how the coaching staff viewed him with the injuries. So I think playing time is also going to be a thing for him where I, the Giants last year had multiple tight ends that they were willing to play over 90% of snaps, just depending on who was healthy. So I think not just the injury thing, but he's going to see more than enough playing time to reach that top seven tight end status. Nice. I like it. All right. Let's go to round eight. Um, in round eight, this one, I, I we, it's a player we talked about a few times on the podcast, um, but James Cook running back for the Buffalo Bills. Um, we recently talked about him in the breakout running back episode a couple of weeks ago. So probably don't need to retread too much on this one. But as we get closer to the season here and the team still hasn't brought in that significant competition for touches, I think the optimism um, for me at least only grows for Cook as, as not just a breakout, but maybe arguably the the best pick in this range of the draft going he's going outside of those top 24 running backs on on underdog espn sleeper pretty much wherever you look it's fairly consistent um i'm not significantly higher on him than consensus but i am higher on him overall uh, at rb26 for me right now and i do think looking at the running backs in that range guys like alvin kamara isaiah pacheco uh, even his big brother dalvin um james cook i think to me has the best shot to outperform his adp among these running backs in that range given his upside in what should be a very good offense in Buffalo. Uh, there's recently been word at a camp that the team views him as a three down back and that um, he's been a mainstay on the first team offense. Uh, the team also posted a very nice highlight of him catching a deep pass from Josh Allen against Micah Hyde as well this weekend to showcase that receiving ability as well. So you'd love to see that. I, th I think there is a larger role for him in this offense than even what might be expected given the team's history with the position in recent years. 
Um, I don't know that it will necessarily be that of like a true bell cow, but, you know, being the go-to in the receiving game and two minute drill on top of dominating those early down carries uh, over Damian Harris, I think it could be pretty close to that bell cow role that we're seeking. And in, in PPR, especially, I think he offers plenty of upside um, to be one of the best picks out of the eighth round in drafts. Um, but how about you, Nate? Are, are you buying into the, the James Cook hype like I am? Uh, yeah, I'm largely buying into it. I remember like right after the season or even late into the season when I start doing my rankings for the upcoming year and looking at some of the metrics and when I was doing it, Cook stood out so much in terms of how efficient he was for how late I had him. So it was like, okay, I want him to be high, but I don't know what Buffalo will do at running back. So I think Cook will see plenty of playing time and that should lead to a lot of volume. My only concern about him is those goal line touches. I know Buffalo likes to have those uh, hurry up offenses where they keep the same running back on the field for basically the entire drive. I'm just worried once I get close to the goal line, if they substitute him out for another back, whether it's Damian Harris, who has a history of short yardage touchdowns, uh, Latavius Murray, another bigger back who makes sense to put in when they're close to scoring. So while I think Cook will get plenty of volume, my concern is how many touchdowns I'll get. He should be able to break a couple of big plays for touchdowns, but I don't know how many of those easy touchdowns he'll be able to score, especially also with Josh Allen. They're capable of scoring from one yard out doing a quarterback sneak as well. So mm-hmm. I think Cook probably should do well with how he's doing drafted. I just have a hard time seeing him potentially being a top five or top 10 running back without those touchdowns. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. And yeah, the main thing, you know, obviously that the touchdowns could go either way, depending on how much of those big plays he can break off. But yeah, the the receiving upside, I think, for him and and then if he can start to dominate a lot of those early um, early on or early down carries, I think there could be potential there for him to outperform that ADP by a fair bit. So yeah. all right, let, let, let's do one more here uh, and talk about a uh, player in round nine. So I went with uh, wide receiver Michael Thomas out of New Orleans. Now, depending on what site you're drafting from, Thomas's ADP kind of varies a bit. I know on underdog, he's eighth round, but on ESPN and sleeper, he's ninth round. So that, that's where I'm putting him since those are, the, you know, this, these are season long leagues and not best ball. So um, for me, obviously, for Thomas, much like Darren Waller, really the injury history and, and lack of, of availability in recent years are a concern. Um, but when healthy, he still shows off significant fantasy upside that I think you'd be hard pressed to find at this point in drafts from the wide receivers position, uh, especially last year in, in just three games, he averaged 17 PPR points per game. He earned a 21.2% target rate and he posted two top 20 fantasy finishes in those three games, including a wide receiver eight finish in week one where he posted 57 yards for two touchdowns um he'll just he'll definitely have to share targets with an emerging chris olave but there aren't wide receivers i think going in this range that don't have to share targets with a potentially better option um he'll also have a new quarterback in Derek carr but i think those two should complement each other well with Thomas and Carr kind of both having success and tendencies on those slant and crossing routes that Thomas has kind of become known for. So that, that should be a positive as well. Um, word out of camp right now is that he's healthy. He's motivated to get back to the level that he once was. And obviously, you know, that could be difficult at 30 years of age, but the risk in round nine of draft round nine of drafts is 
pretty minimal for a player who should be a huge part of this offense as long as he's healthy. So even with the risk that he comes with, that that's a bet I'm more than happy to make here in the middle rounds of drafts because of the upside alone. Um, he, he's kind of like the Rashad Penny of wide receivers for me in a lot of ways. And 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 also like Penny, I don't think there might be a, a better value at, at his position right now. Yeah, you mentioned um, how Derek Carr has played on slants and crossing. I did the Michael Thomas player profile a couple weeks ago, and that's probably one of the favorite player profiles I've done so far, digging into Carr's passing on the routes that Thomas does well. Uh, Carr, Carr has a 94 PFF grade over the past five seasons on crossing routes, with his, which is fourth highest among quarterbacks, uh, second highest grade when throwing slants. Uh, he has 4,445 passing yards over those five seasons, specifically on slant and crossing routes, which is third, only behind Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. And on the flip side, on out routes, which is something that Thomas doesn't run as much, and that's something that Olave and uh, Rashid Shahid both ran or had over 23% of their targets on last year. A car has a 62.6 PFF grade on out routes, which is third lowest among quarterbacks mm. over the past five seasons. So um, I think having car at quarterback could be a huge thing for Thomas. Um, and I also mentioned the Saints have the easiest schedule this season, which would also help um, the offense in general be able to um, score a lot of points and um, beat up on some of these defenses. So I think because of that, I've, Thomas has a decent chance as long as he can stay healthy of being a lot better where compared to where he's getting picked. And this could also be a little bit of reason for concern with Chris Olave with how he's going to fare with Derek Carr. Wow. Yeah. I like it. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it lines up nicely for Thomas. We just really need him to stay healthy um, because yeah, the potential is there and, and, and hopefully um, at, I mean, at the price tag that, that he comes at right now, it, it's, it's a nice discount if he can stay healthy for sure. Um, all right, that, that'll do it for the fantasy football portion of the pod. Hopefully you found that informative and helpful, but now it's time to move on to a different form of draft as Nate and I once again, go head to head with another draft of random things. We probably need a better title for this segment than that. Um, also a theme song or a jingle would be nice too, but, um, <laughs> Uh, after last week, you you officially have a win streak going after pulling out the win in our Aliens movie drafts. Um, 51.6% to 48.4% was the final tally. Um, super close, but the nod goes to you. I'm convinced that it was the Avengers pick at the end there that that sealed my fate. And, and also Michael Jordan remaining undefeated. Um, so nice job on that one. Um, I was really annoyed that I forgot to add Predator to my list too last week. I even got called out on it. Uh, I don't know why I missed it because it was one of the first movies I, I added to my list. But nonetheless, we're, we're back at it again today and have I have another chance to uh, embarrass myself going head to head with another draft that is kind of sort of keeping with the alien theme in a way as we draft a team of the best green characters. So looking at characters across TV, movies, comics, whatever form of media you want that we'd associate with being the color green, um, whether it's green skin or some kind of green outfit, we want the best collection of those characters. Um, Nate, this one was your idea. You got to be feeling confident on a winning streak here. Uh, yeah, I coming up with my list of who to draft, it was very easy to figure out which 10 to pick. It's just figuring out the order that they should go in. Since like last week, I don't think we were stealing each other's choices too much. I feel like today we might 
snipe each other's picks a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, it came up with the list pretty quickly. Definitely the fastest list I've come up with. But yeah, it's just a matter of where we think these guys should go and, and who the voters are going to choose. But um, I, I, you know, I took the L last draft, so I get the first overall pick again. Um, to me, the first name that came to mind when looking at green characters was the Incredible Hulk. Um, so that's going to be my first overall pick here. I, I, I'd be, I, I think it'd be pretty silly to go against the Hulk, um, especially given the Avengers um, popu- popularity from <laughs> what I think was popularity of the Avengers last <laughs> last draft. There, I definitely have the Hulk high up there, but because there's a couple other Marvel characters associated with the color green, I was also going to be okay if he slides a little bit. But I'm going to go with another larger green character. I will go with Shrek for my first choice. Um, I felt like there were three characters that I was happy to get here. So I think I'll be able to get another one of them in the second round. But uh, Shrek also holds a special place in my heart. One of my best Halloween costumes that I've had, um, had the normal Shrek mask, but everything else was all like thrift shop, figured out how to get it all together to look like Shrek. And it turned out, Uh, much better than some of the normal costumes where you just get the costume entirely. So um, I'm happy to get Shrek with the first round. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Shrek was a good call. He was up there high on my list as well. And yeah, we might need to see a picture of the Shrek costume. um, If you post this under under the, under the poll. Um, All right. So my second pick here, I'm going to go with Yoda. Um, Obviously of star Wars Yoda, pretty popular character i think i'm gonna try to get the the popularity vote here with with uh with the star wars character i i thought about grogu um baby yoda that is but i think more people are probably well well i don't know about that actually we'll see i, th- I think people like yoda more than grogu but I, I could very well be wrong on that well when doing all of my research i found yoda on plenty of top 10 lists and i could not find grogu anywhere in the top okay. 10 in any list that I was finding online. So Yoda was in my top three, but I will get the other person that's in my top three, and that is Kermit the Frog, I think the most classically known green character. So I think that helps him end up so high on so many people's list, but happy to get Kermit, who I think is the most well-known green character potentially of all time. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good call. I know I was I I thought about Kermit, but I'm not like a big Muppets guy, so I'm gonna try. So I, I ended up avoiding him, but uh yeah, it's hard to argue that one. Um, all right. So my third pick here, I am going to go uh, uh with Slimer of Ghostbusters fame. So Slimer, um, the ghost was he wasn't like a big part of the movies, really. He had like a small part, but he he did he definitely became more popular than his screen time. Um, he was even used in the Ghostbusters uh, logo for a bit. And, and then he was used a lot more in the cartoon as well. So I'm um, hoping that, uh, again, maybe nostalgia and and popularity with these some of these movie um, franchises will help me out here. So I'm going Slimer with three. There. I will try to get another character known in the movies, and that is the Grinch. Um, oh, the Grinch. Nice. Yes. So uh, The Grinch, obviously a popular Christmas movie that a lot of people like and a lot of people like that character. So and like it's hard to find a character more green than The Grinch is green. So yeah, that's fair. I think I think the the association there works well. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, okay. so I am going 
back to the comic book well here. Um, I'm going with one of my favorite characters of all time. This one might actually hurt me as far as popularity goes, um, but I'm going with Swamp Thing. Um, so if anybody knows the character Swamp Thing, he is basically, he is a protector of the green um, and he's all green. He's covered in like leaves and swamp stuff and such um but also one of the best i think comic book storylines uh for my money it was alan moore's run on swamp thing he does a lengthy run um and it's it's amazing so um anybody that's interested in alan moore's swamp thing alan moore wrote watchman swamp thing is uh is a great read as well so that's my number four pick there i think i will stick with the comic theme and go with gamora as my next pick part of Probably the best thing that the MCU has done so far this year, a part of thinking of the green characters was Secret Invasion just ended with the green scrolls, uh, which didn't end quite as well as I would have liked. But Gamora and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and the rest of the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, more or less the main character of Avengers Infinity War, at least one of the top two or three main characters of that movie as well, which is one of the biggest movies of all time. So and there's only a couple of green characters in the MCU so far. So Gamora, I was happy to get her late since I wasn't able to get the Hulk early. Nice. I like it. Yeah. I think, I think you would have hurt yourself if you chose a character from secret invasion um, instead of Gamora. So um, yeah, shout out to Gamora there. That's a good one. Last pick for me. Oh God, this is tough. Um, so let's do one more from comic books because I can't help myself. And this is probably where I, I start to slip again. Uh, I'm going to go with a villain. I'm going with the Green Goblin, um, the Spider-Man villain. So I think he, to me, one of the best villains in, in comics and um, iconic villain as well. You know who he is as soon as you see him. Um, so that that'll be that'll be my final choice for this one. There has green in the title, so I don't yep. see how you can go wrong there. <laughs> And like when we're talking about these drafts that we do, we always have these discussions of, okay, how are we actually defining this? Since there's uh, basically all the people that we've been talking about so far uh, prior to your pick, I think have green skin of some sort with the green goblin, not having green skin, but wearing green. I am also going to go with someone who um, is not green by nature, but when they transform their green and that is Tommy Oliver, the original green power ranger. Um, I'm huge Power Ranger fan and I've tried to get Power Rangers on my list where I can. And most of the time I'm guessing if I do, it might hurt my team, but I'm hoping in this one case with how popular Tommy was that having Tommy as my last pick will help my team. Nice. That's, that's, that's good. I like that. I feel like that's the, maybe the whole reason you chose the green thing. That was the secret uh, <laughs> underlying reason of why was so you could get the green Power Ranger in there. So I like it. Um, all right. So you have uh, Shrek, Kermit the Frog, the Grinch, Gamora, and the Green Power Ranger. And for me, I went with the Hulk, Yoda, Slimer, Swamp Thing, Green Goblin. So we'll put it out tomorrow or when this podcast comes out. We'll see how it goes. Can they get to a three game winning streak? Can I get back on track? We will find out. If you win, I think it ties us up to 4 4. Um, if I'm nice. correct, but so I we'll also want it. to apologize to any Mike Wazowski fans. He was on my list, but <laughs> based on how my draft was falling out, did not get Mike Wazowski. But that was the one that was on my list that I thought would get drafted that probably should have got drafted, but we'll let the people on the internet complain about that. Nice. Yeah. The Monsters Inc. contingent is going to come after you for sure. Um, 
All right, that will do it for another episode of the PFF Fantasy Podcast. Thank you all very much for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, Thank you as well, Nate, as always, for doing this with me. Um, I can't wait to keep it going here into the preseason and regular season just around the corner as we kick off the month of August now. I'm fired up. Uh, Nate, what are some of the pieces that you have up on the site this week to help people get ready for their fantasy season? So uh, Monday have the top 300 ranking or top 350 rankings updated. I expanded it to 350 players, um, an updated version of my draft strategy for 10 team leagues using up-to-date ADPs and uh, up-to-date uh, my rankings. Uh, player profiles going up every day this week. I had Jonathan Taylor go up today uh, just with the news this weekend. As I mentioned, Calvin Ridley will be going up tomorrow and then we'll figure out the rest of the week from there. Um, updated versions of all of my dynasty rankings, dynasty rankings, super flex, rookie, rookie, super flex, um, finishing up my league winners with both, uh, wide receivers and quarterbacks while also finishing up my 10 team draft strategy with picks eight to 10, I'm going to go into tight end draft strategy. And then we'll also have my hall of fame game preseason recap up Thursday and meet at won't even be immediately after the game. It'll probably be sometime during the game once all of the starters and other noteworthy, sorry about that, other players are done playing. So I think that adds up to 17 articles I'm doing this week. So that'll be fun. Nice. He's a busy guy. Yeah, definitely check out for Nate's um, preseason Hall of Fame preview or review game which will be about five minutes after the 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 hall of fame game kicks off i'm sure uh but no that'll be that'll be really good definitely important information that we need to follow here uh as for me i had all my rankings updated most of them are now posted uh a couple idp ones i think were delayed but they should be up soon um i also have plans to write up uh the 2023 late round quarterback for fantasy purposes as well as the full list of my league winners going outside of the first five rounds of drafts at the moment um i know kate nick ben thomas all contributing to the site with some excellent articles as well as we lead up to the nfl season so be sure to check out all the great content on pff.com to dominate your fantasy leagues as always please subscribe to the pff fantasy youtube channel and pff fantasy discord cost absolutely nothing but mean the world to us and help us a ton so anyone that takes the time to do so just know that you have a special place in my heart all right nate and i will be back in the feed on friday going over some of the important updates in our rankings as player news injuries all that stuff comes up uh, and gets updated so be sure to tune into that and until then peace out